All right. Hey, guys. Thank you. Um, I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity to come and stand in this pulpit and try to serve you guys. Um, so, so thank you. If you're new here, this is a really special day. These are like the best when, when we get to have the whole family come and join us. You kiddos, I'm glad that you're here. Um, you guys make worship and all of this like 10 times more fun. You guys just make me happy. So thank you for being here. We're really excited to have you guys. And, and I love what I really love, even more than just having our kids present with us today, um, is I love that we've actually been able to see uh, some of our, our students and some of our little kids actually serve us today. Like, like we have some kids who um, have put faith in Jesus and are following him. And uh, I don't ever want to be the kind of church that says, you know, if, if Jesus saves you, you need to wait till you like turn 18 and then you'll get the Holy Spirit or, you know, you need to just mature and grow up. Then you can be like a full-fledged Christian. You know, if you are big or small, if Jesus has saved you, he's put his spirit inside of you and there's, there's stuff for you to do. There's work that he's prepared for you to do. So I'm super encouraged to actually get to see that today. I'm, I'm really encouraged about that, and, and I just want to say we, we want to fight for more of that um, as a church, uh, and, and not just when we need, like, more childcare um, help, but we really want to know how has the Lord wired all of us, um, big and small. Let's, let's see that happen. Um, also, I want to take a minute and just, just give a quick shout out to everybody who serves in our nursery or our kids' church every single week. You guys serve sacrificially. You're great. We love you. Can we, just, can we just thank them for doing what they do? <clears throat> okay, fun stuff. Well, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Ephesians. Today, we're going we're gonna to jump into that, and uh, specifically, we're going to be in chapter 3, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the family of God, what it means for us to be the family of God. Uh, so to kind of frame our conversation, I want to ask you a quick question. Just think about your family. Maybe this is your family today. Um, maybe this, maybe you think about uh, your family growing up and you just have fond memories there. But think about your family and, and I want you to just think about this question. What is your story? What's your family's thing? What are you all about? Uh, maybe for some of you, you think about your, uh, your family and, and your thing is just camping. You look forward to uh, the three-day weekends, going to the lake, putting kayaks in the water, putting up a tent, setting things on fire, blowing stuff up maybe, I don't know, but that's just your thing. That's what you love to do. Uh, or maybe your family is all about just food, and, and you love it. You know anytime the family gets together, there's going to be just a smorgasbord of, of good home-cooked food, and, and everybody's going to kind of congregate in the kitchen or around the dinner table, and there'll be great conversations and all that, but it's all going to revolve around the food. That's like, that's your thing. That's your family's love language. Um, or maybe, uh, maybe your, your family's um, renown has like actually spread outside of the home, and your neighbors actually know you as that family, right? Like there's something about your family and just like people on your block know, know you for something. So maybe that's just great landscaping. You're the house with the, the great like freshly cut grass and uh, beautiful flowers in the flower beds. And even when the kids get disciplined, they like have to go outside and pull weeds. Um, so, and some of you didn't even know that was an option and now you do. So you're welcome. And I'm sorry, kids. Uh, builds character though. Um, 
so, uh, so, so whatever your story is, mine, mine growing up, one of the things that um, people in my neighborhood kind of knew my family for uh, was, was that my mom was something of a neighborhood legend, uh, if you will. And, uh, and the reason for that is, is this. Um, when, when I grew up, I, we just lived a few miles west of here, and we lived in a neighborhood where there were always stray dogs, um, like a lot of stray dogs every single day, just maybe dogs that did, were homeless dogs or dogs that could easily scale a fence and get out, and, and just they were everywhere. And uh, so every day on the way home from school, you would always see some type of dog, and it was never like, hey, here's some stray dogs. Cool. Let's go pet those dogs. It was always like, I hope I'm with my slow friend today. So maybe I can outrun these dogs and get away from them. Uh, so this is never something anyone looked forward to. And we try to get home and just avoid um, stray dogs. And I remember several times coming home and uh, as we were like sneaking around these dogs and getting into the safety of our home, uh, my mom was like waiting there on the front porch and uh, one thing to know about my mom is for some reason she, we weren't Amish, um, but our decorations were. And so we had this butter churn in our living room. Never churned butter. Uh, we, in fact, I think we were kind of a margarine family. But, um, but we had this butter churn in our, in our living room. And it just, it just sat there. It was for looks. And, but I, here's what I remember about it. Um, I would come home and we would, my brother and sister and I would get away from these dogs and avoid them. And we were going in the house like, oh man, I'm glad we live so close to the school. And my mom would be, as we were going in, she'd be like coming out boldly into darkness to face these dogs armed with nothing but the butter churn stick and her wits and just going after these things. And she would go out and like get between d- the dogs and these children. And so they would like, she'd like fend them off and, and she had great bow skills. And, uh, and so what, what we like became known as it's like that family was like the really heroic mom and so so my friends at school would be like that's your mom like she saved my life man that's cool um so so that was like that was kind of us and and so we all kind of have like there's some silly things that we remember there's some things that we feel like yeah that's kind of our thing um but but the point is like we all have a story every single family has a story and when we get into the book of ephesians uh paul the the man who who wrote this letter uh, he explains it like this. He says, you actually, if Jesus Christ has saved you, you've been saved into a family. You've been saved into a family. If you're a Christian, you're a part of a family. He says that, that God is a father who loved you before the world was even made. He loved you before the foundations of the world. And he's a father who actually adopts the, like the worst kids like when we were orphans, when we were far from God, when we, we wanted nothing to do with him, God in his love actually adopts us into his family through Jesus' death and resurrection. And then uh, he also says that the Holy Spirit is, is one who actually comes and is our guarantee. He's the, he seals us and he's a, the guarantee our, of our inheritance um, as children of God. So this inheritance of eternal life that even if, even if you've never felt like you belong to a family, you, you get the Holy Spirit and he's the one who says, yeah, you belong to this family. This is your family. And so the question is, if we're part of a family, like, like what Paul says in, in chapter one, if we're a part of the family of God, then the question for all of us is what is our story? As a family of God, what's the thing, like what's the one thing that we're really supposed to be known for. And uh, in, in chapter 3, Paul gets into that. So go there with me. 
Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul says this is a a mystery that's actually been revealed. Um, Look at verse 7. He says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, through the family of God, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That through the family of God, the thing that we ought to be known for as the family of God is what? Paul says it's the gospel. It's that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to everyone. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, if you've, if you've been around us for a little while, you've heard us use uh, these terms. Uh, one, one of the ways is by uh, gospel proclamation, and the other is kingdom demonstration. So, so here's what that means. Gospel proclamation, this means that we simply talk about the good news. We tell others, we tell our friends about how we've been made family through Jesus. So earlier, um, when we were led into praying and, and remembering those, those three friends, those three people in our life, maybe friends, neighbors, family members, those three people who are far from God, who do not know Jesus, when, when, we, uh, when we lift those people up and think about them, gospel proclamations, mean, it means that one of the ways that those friends actually get to learn about God and hear of his love and grace is through us. So we don't just have a story to share. We have our story that we get to share with those people. We get to tell them about how we were orphans and we were lost and we hated God. We didn't want him. We didn't chase after him. We didn't find him. But he's a father and in his love, he came to us and he put his love on us before we even knew who he was, before we even loved him. In addition to to gospel proclamation, we also get to make this this good news known to people through kingdom demonstration. So we get to show people, here's what this means, we get to show people what the kingdom of God is actually like. When Jesus uh, teaches his disciples how to pray, right, they come to him, they say, we really want to know how to pray. And Jesus first says, first approach it like this. He says, God is your father. He's your dad. So, so you are his kids, he's your dad, and so when you pray, you go to him, and he says, pray this. He says, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus is really inviting the disciples to say, God, you're, a, you're our father, we're your kids, and you're a king. Our, like, our dad is a king, and so he's a king in a kingdom, and in his kingdom right now, in a place called heaven, he is the king where he is ruling and reigning and all is as it should be. Everything is right. It's a perfect place. And so what Jesus says is, we pray to that dad, and we pray the way things are in your kingdom, the way it is in heaven, we're asking that that would be real here on earth. Um, one of the things that John says is that the darkness is passing away, right? It's still here. There's a kingdom here and now, a kingdom of darkness, where there's sickness and there's sadness, there's hurting, but he says the light has come. The light is breaking in, and so the kingdom of our Father is breaking in. It is here, and so what we're praying for is, God, 
dad in this darkness would you just start to break in little by little and just start to drive back the darkness push it back so this is why we pray on Sunday mornings for sick people we say God in in your kingdom there is no sickness so we're asking that that would be real here right so recently I remember we had a gal who was really really sick and uh, she came after one of our services and she she got some prayer and and all the grown-ups got around her and put hands on her and we prayed for her and that's what we prayed God, there's no sickness in your kingdom. Will you, will you bring that here now? Will you bring healing and restoration? And then she, she got to go back to kids' church, and a bunch of you little, little ones got to gather around her, and she sat down, you put your hands on her, and you prayed the same thing. And this really beautiful thing happened. Our, our good father actually healed her. And, and we got to celebrate the fact that we have a Father that hears our prayers. And sometimes we get to see the kingdom of light. We get to see our Father's kingdom just break in and blow back darkness. So this is why we pray for the sick. This is why we care for people who are poor because there's no poverty in heaven. This is why we love on people who are sad and hurting. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. There is no sadness. There's no death. There's no crying. And so we do these things, we proclaim the gospel, we demonstrate the kingdom so that through our family, through us, people would know and experience the love of God, our good Father. And so we hear, we hear all that, and you might be thinking, wow, that sounds great, that sounds really good, except um, that sounds impossible. <laughs> um, I can't heal anybody. I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm really not even that good at talking, so I don't feel great about gospel proclamation. Make that sound pretty easy, and it's not. Um, so, so what do we do with this? How do we do all of this? Paul actually goes on in this passage. And if you look at verse 14, he actually launches into a prayer for these people. He goes to our dad. He says, Dad, here we are, your kids. And here's what he says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. So how do we do these things? How do we make known the manifold wisdom of God? Paul reminds us that we're incredibly loved by God. He reminds us that we're empowered by God to proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the kingdom of God, not just on our own, but actually filled with the fullness of God. As we, as we think about what that means, to be filled with the fullness of God and to step out and to actually try to, to make this gospel known, to herald this good news, uh, I think there's, there needs to be some caution here uh, because I think what we're prone to is just comparison, and, and that comparison often just leads to us being really content. So here's what I mean by that. Um, when I was in junior high, I hit like this crazy growth spurt. Um, when I was in seventh grade, I grew and, and just got like a head taller than all my friends. Um, so I played football. I, I, got, I was taller than everybody else. I was Super strong, way, way stronger than everybody else. Um, I never left the field. Um, it was great at the time. 
and, uh, and I just really remember, it was so funny looking back, um, because all of my, like, little seventh grade friends would look up to me, literally, and be like, man, you are so big, like, this is great, and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's great, and that was always the thing, it was like, you are so big, and then a couple years went by of that, and then, uh, ninth grade, 10th grade, they all started growing too, and they caught up with me, and then they passed me, and no lie, I am the size I was as a seventh grader to this day. I now possess dad strength, so that's different. I I have grown in in that way. I'm still holding on up for a growth spurt, but um, for now, this is it. Um, So you you might be able, you might look at me and say, like, for for a seventh grader, you are impressive, but you're a grown man, so it's not that impressive. (laughs) Um, so, so I look back at that and it's funny because I, I think about all of my friends going, man, you're so big, you're so big. And I, and I go, well, really, it's not that I was so big. It's just that they were so little, like they were average size seventh graders. And so I, I, I say that, um, because I think for us, it could be really easy to, to just look at ourselves. It could be, could be really easy to look at us, frontline church and feel really great about who we are and what we're doing and just sort of compare ourselves to other churches in the city and go, man, we, I mean, we talk about the gospel. I don't think every church in the city talks about the gospel. I mean, we are on mission. We're trying to be on mission. I don't know that everybody's doing that. We have community groups and, and we can start to look around and go, I feel pretty good about where we're at. Like I, I hear people all the time who are from other churches, and they're like, you guys are great. You're killing it on mission. Frontline is an awesome church. Um, You guys are great. And it it can be easy to go like, yeah, I think we kind of are. Um, But can I be really, really honest with you? Like our goal, if our goal is just to be the the best church in the city, and by the way, we're not. (laughs) If that's our goal, that's a really hollow goal. It's not helpful. And the reason is because as a family, we're not called to be the best church in the city. We're actually called to bring the fullness of God to our city. And friends, when we remember how loved we are by God, when we remember the way that that he loves us so deeply, when we remember that we actually are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that God himself is in us and with us, and he's empowering us, when we think about and when we're reminded of the mission we're reminded that we were saved for good works as individuals and as a congregation as we, as we think about like what God has called us to do and who he's called us to and how much darkness there is in this world and how much we get to step into that with the light of Christ and push it back. Like what happens is we're compelled to do so much more than just try to sort of stand out among a bunch of other churches. Um, and what happens is we start to realize like there's something to being filled with the fullness of God. It's so much bigger than just standing out. So here's what this means. We're a family that gets to make the good news of God known to everyone, and that seems really difficult until we remember that he's actually filled us with his love and power. And then as we, as we get away from this idea of just comparison and contentment, we, we are freed up we're liberated, and we get to start dreaming these really big dreams, right? We don't anymore think about, like, what can we do? Like, like as people, what can we do with, with our own two hands? Like, 
And even like this synergistic idea that's really great. It's like warm fuzzies to think about, well, what, what can we do together? It's like, no, man, even more than that. We get to dream like big things. So we get to, uh, we get to think about, man, what, what if those, those three friends that we prayed for today, what if, what if God actually would save those people? The people who are like just about a lost cause, but we're praying for them. Like if anybody can do it, maybe it's you, God. Like we get to pray that with boldness and confidence and step into faith and go, yeah, that would be a pretty big thing, but I guess you could do that. It means that we get to dream and ask and step into, like, God, what would it look like if you actually provided everything that we needed to get into this building and build it out and do all the things that we need to do there? Um, God, we actually want to see sick people healed in our community, in our church. God, we want to see darkness pushed back. We want to see people be loved and healed. But here's the craziest thing um, out of all of this. It's that as big as we can dream, as much as we can ask God for, um, as much as we can do ourselves, God is actually able to do so much more. Look at verse 20. This is, uh, this is how Paul, this is how he closes this prayer. This is who he's praying to. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. In his grace, friends, God actually invites us to pray these impossible prayers. He invites us to step into ministry with courage, knowing that he is actually able, and and not just that he's a little bit able, that he's able to, to do not just more, not just far more, but far more abundantly than what we can even ask or imagine. This is what uh, John Piper said as he kind of reflects on uh, this passage. He says, if, if Paul were the pastor of this church, I think that every time he lifted up his eyes to heaven, he would see God saying, I can do more in this church than you have yet asked or thought. And so Pastor Paul would ask for power and then launch into a new venture of obedience. And then he would look up and God would say, I can do more. And Paul would ask again and launch another new ministry and then look up and God would say, I can do more. And each time he stretched himself in faith beyond what he thought possible in the church, the response of God would always be the same. I can do more, more, more. Friends, if you are a part of this family, we have a strong dad. We have a God who is able. We have a God who can exceed our wildest dreams and expectations. He can do more. So we're invited to pray big prayers and rest in the fact that our God is a good dad who delights in us, who takes joy in meeting us. It's, it's so crazy to me that like one of, the, one of the things that brings me the most joy as a dad is whenever my kids just like can't do something at all, like it's just totally hopeless. And I mean like something simple, like they'll, they'll have like a balloon and they'll like let go of it and it will fly up to the ceiling. And they're just like, you know, they'll try and then they'll be like, it's hopeless. 
Like, there is no way that we could ever reach this balloon. We just need to say goodbye to this balloon. Eventually, it may drift down to the floor. But until that day, it's gone. And then finally, it will, like, click. And I'll be like, we could ask Dad. He was tall for a seventh grader, <laughs> after all. And, and, and then I can go to them, and I can go, yeah, guys, it is. And I'll, like, grab the balloon easily. And it's, like, so, it, like, it's silly, but it, like, makes me so happy whenever they get to come to me and they say, like, Dad, can you do this? And it's, like, I totally can. And, uh, and, and look, I'm, I'm a very limited father, but it brings me so much joy. And, and, friends, we have a father who loves you. You are his kids. He loves you. He delights in you. And so when we go to him, we're invited to actually step into faith believing that he can do impossible things and then expecting him to surprise us and blow us away. Like, like, wouldn't it be crazy if we actually started praying prayers that like where we couldn't control the outcome? Like, like sometimes we, we have like uh, this, you know, this list of three friends and we're like, okay, maybe I could convince these three people to follow Jesus. <laughs> but like, what if we prayed for people and it was actually like, I don't even know how this is going to work. Like, what if instead of like just going, hey, if we could baptize like 10 more people this year, that'd be awesome. What if we just said like a crazy number and we said, God, would you save like dozens and dozens of people? God, when we, when we get into a new building, would you just, would you like provide more than what we need to, to build this place out and do all the things that we need? Like the, the impact that we're imagining in our community and in this space and in our city, would you just, would you maximize it and then blow it out of the water because you can, you're able to do those things. And so friends, as sons and daughters of God, we get to ask our father to do impossible things and then we get to stand in this moment. We get to stand in this moment as family, as family of God, as God himself makes known the manifold wisdom, his manifold wisdom to all people. So will you stand with me?